Oh, I hope you've all got your books ready for when you're 8-0 down at home to Newcastle. Welcome to the 126th episode of Australia's longest-running football pod. Another big week has rolled on by. We had eight different scorers at Bramall Lane, goalkeeper scoring in the Champions League, Harry Kane scoring his first hat-trick for Bayern, and Real Madrid getting rinsed by the old enemy. Alrighty, let's go. Nice year football podcast. Let's do it. Uh, Tom's with me again. How you going, man? I'm good. I'm all right, Sammy. I'm carrying a knock into this one, but we'll be all right. We'll, we'll yeah, soldier nice. on. I think we're all a bit weathered at this point. Uh, Cooper, how you doing, man? You're with us as well. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. A little bit puffed out from mixed netball, which apparently is is not as exciting as I thought it was, but here we are. Uh, I don't know why you thought any sort of indoor sport that involves running around lots would end in fun. Uh, running around sucks. Uh don't do it unless you're really super fit already. Um, I wanted to start this week by asking you both, uh, on the back of that lovely lady at uh, Sheffield, with a book in her hands, 7-0 down, 75th minute. What a, Tom, I don't think you've ever left a game early, but have you ever tried uh, any other tactics to distract yourself from what's happening out on the pitch? I have. I've left only one game early, Ooh. and that was... We were away uh, to Melbourne City, and we we were four nil down at the time. I think they had, I think Dario Vidisic had just scored an absolute ripper for them, and I was like, "Nah, get me out of here." This was like the heady Greg Griffin days. Everyone was that was um, coincidentally the day I got banned from the Adelaide United Facebook page too. But Beautiful. I remember remember walking out of the stadium and hearing the roar of the fifth and thinking I made the right decision. Um, I like the roar? book idea. Okay. Yeah, well, at a Melbourne City game, probably not a, a smattering of applause. Yeah, um, I I kind of like the book idea. I don't. I think you know if you've got a book club that you're catching up on, maybe she had somewhere to be afterwards, and she hadn't read uh, Russell Brand's mentors, <laughs> how to help and be helped potentially. But out, outside of that, I mean, you're there for the football, aren't you? Uh, I guess so. But you say this, but I've. We've gone into high marsh so many times, pumped, and then the game kicks off, and I look over, and you're watching like Dapto Dogs or something on your phone. So, you know, <laughs> you need to be held accountable for some of your actions there at football games. Cooper, what about you? Got any novels that you go to for being seven nil down? No, no. Um, I did. I did miss the first goal of the the four three comeback against Brisbane Roar at high marsh because I'd gone to the bar at the third and just stayed there. Um, I came back at half time to to have a conversation with some people, and I noticed that we'd scored, and the rest was history. Um, what you just said to Tom about the Dapto Dogs, that reminded me of that. I can't remember who it might have been the Knicks late last season, where we just piled goals on against them at home, and you were all up and about and excited, and I was sitting on my chair with my legs up watching Collingwood waiting for Jamie Elliott to kick a second goal. Yeah, it was like round one of the AFL. It didn't matter. It had no meaning at all. And he didn't get the goal either, so it didn't matter. Um, Spoiler. <laughs> we'll get to the Sheffield game later with all those goals galore in it. But um, if you're new to the pod and you're just checking it out for the first time, get around us on social media. If you can, go on, give it a share. You wouldn't do it. Go on, you wouldn't do it. All right. Um, if you're a loyal listener, welcome back again. Uh, we're going to go through Champions League to start with this week. Um, boys, I'll just quickly run through everything that's gone on and... Uh, I'll hit you up at the end for some thoughts and comments. But Champions League got underway last week. We did a preview. If you haven't listened to that, go back and do it. Um, 
But Wednesday morning, Atleti left frustrated after a Provadel goal. The Lazio goalkeeper with a great finish to rescue a point. Uh, Milan also left frustrated with 19 shots to four all over Newcastle, but the Toon able to get away from the San Siro with a very handy point. Um, PSG were fairly comfortable in a 2 0 win over Dortmund. Uh, Dabifa B just always really kind of at arm's length from uh, the Paris Giants there. So. Uh, similar story for Leipzig, Feyenoord and Man City in their opening day wins. Thursday morning, seven goals at the Allianz in Munich. But the scoreline, uh, I think making it seem a bit more tense than it was. It felt Bayern always had the edge over uh, Manchester Red. Arsenal returned to Champions League football with a bang. Dominant 4-0 win at home over PSV. Real Madrid and Napoli both left it late to collect narrow victories over Union Berlin and Braga while... Galatasaray, Copenhagen, and Sevilla Lance ended in draws. Tommy, what was your pick of the action after a, a jam-packed opening round of Champions League match days? It was a good one. It was all of our predictions coming true, and nobody go back and listen to the previous pod <laughs> where we tried to guess. Hey, I just told them all to go back and listen. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, uh, I thought you know the Newcastle-Milan game didn't go exactly how I thought it would. Actually, I didn't anticipate Milan being so toothless in this. And oh, that's a big I thought, it, yeah, I know, because we've, we've discussed this and you've talked about Milan being in need of a, a potent finisher or someone that can, that can bury a chance. But I thought they created good enough chances to, um, to be able to get out of this with a one or two nil uh, victory. Absolutely. And for me, it just, it, it worries me slightly for their chances of going through now because You'd really need all three points at home in that group, and they haven't been able to pick that one up. Um, Against probably the worst team in that group. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Dorman didn't really put up too much of an effort, did they? No. Like you said, always at arm's length. So that's an interesting group, but I think concerning for Milan in that respect. Yeah, for sure. Um, Rafael Al is probably the guy. He scored the winner on the weekend in Serie A again. Um but if he's not doing it, there's no one else really to pick up the scraps there and score the goals. Um, Cooper, what was your pick? Um, yeah, pretty neutral round. Um, the good teams seemed to win and the teams we weren't necessarily overly sure about either faltered or, or just got through. Um, City struggled at first, got through. I thought Barcelona were impressive. I know they played a, a minnow, but they just really took a piss and they looked probably more structured than they have for the start for the start of this season um four three flattered man united Bayern were much the better team in that game so they're probably going to be comfortable in that group and arsenal did what they needed to do i wondered if there was going to be some some nerves for a bunch of guys that hadn't played champions league for this club and a club that had potentially had a little bit of time out of the champions league but they they got the result they needed to get at home on match day one um, just on the Serie A teams and um, the Providel goal, I sort of start on Twitter. I've got it here. Um, the Serie A teams on the Wednesday morning, 44 shots on goal combined between the two of them. And the Providel header in the last minute of the game was the only one that found the back of the net. Yeah, rough. <laughs> boring, rough. boring Italian football. What do you know? It wasn't boring. They had 40-odd shots. <laughs> sort yourself out. The, um, the most uh, interesting result, I thought, was uh, the Galatasaray-Copenhagen game with Copenhagen seemingly cruising to a 2-0 away victory, which would have set them up perfectly to knock out Man United in this group, which would be just amazing. But uh, two late goals for Galatasaray, 86th, 88th minute, rescued a point for them. Leaves that group well in the balance as well. 
Yeah, it does. Um, you two need to probably watch your mouths a bit about Man United lately. Um, I know we all like to tee off on them on here, off on them on here, but uh, for those that are especially, if you don't have us on TikTok, head over there. But if you can see, there's a if you go to the comments, you'll see people getting absolutely ripped for hating on Man United. Um, so maybe that's just that might just spur us on to do it even no, I just, more. I think really to me, it just affirmed that they're a sad bunch of salty little <laughs> dogs like I thought they were in the first place. So keep it coming. Love Flip that. this Bit one. Of... That is going to be the first TikTok for the week. We've got a Liverpool fan, an Arsenal fan, and a Leeds fan on here. Like, you're not going to get any love from us, Man Red. So just tune in. Enjoy us talking about everyone else but you. All right? We're all going to have a real good laugh at Chelsea later. So... We'll all be able to join in on that one, I reckon. Um, anything else, Champions League boys, or you're you're done? You're happy? Pretty good. Uh, Celtic rolled over, which was a shame, and just collectively yeah, lost their heads. I mean, yeah, you're not going to get anywhere getting two men sent off, especially you know in fine order. We're a little bit middling as well. Yeah, Some they were results in the area of his, but yeah, made it pretty comfortable for them. The the red cards. Um, fantasy football this week. Uh, we'll move into some Premier League stuff, but Dan Smith leads the way. Uh, with his team changed name, they're at the top of the pile. Um, big, the biggest score of the round, there was lots of 80s and high 70s this week, but um, with a 94 and moving up into second place was uh, James Davies, whose team we shouted out last week, I think, for Chicken Tikka Masala. Was the team name? Chicken Tikka Masala. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I like it. Um, Announce it. Do you, think, um, change name, do you think change name he had like an explicit name and that it's just uh it's been rubbed out and they've just thrown in change name there. I think he's confused because I know that uh if it's the same Daniel Smith I'm thinking of, he's a he's a port fan and they have had some real identity issues with what their club is and whether they're one or two or what their name is and all those sorts of things. So I'm guessing that's to do with it. So he's just put in change name. He panicked and he's stuck with that team name now. So it is what it is. Um, let's go. Premier League football. I tell you what, there's a few we're going to skim through here, but Palace, Fulham, nil all. That is not attracting anyone's eyeballs, I don't think. Luton, one all, draw at home to Wolves. We'll probably save some Luton track. We ripped them pretty hard last week, talking about their last week or the week before, talking about them getting potentially record lowest Zero points. points. <laughs> um, but they've got their first point now. They drew with Wolves. Um, Man City scored too early on. Uh, Foden and Highland in the first 15 minutes, and that was that was that really job done. Three points in the bag. The first game we want to talk about, I guess, this week would be Brentford 1, Everton 3. Uh, we've been pretty harsh on Everton, uh, but this is a big away win to get things going. Well, I think it's big anyway. Away to Brentford. Um, no mean feat. I think we have been harsh on Everton quite rightly. I think so too, yeah. They're uh, just an abomination in terms of the way that they're run. And I I realised that we're in the Premier League and you don't actually get uh, fin- you don't get penalties for financial doping and the abuse that you can commit <clears throat> in terms of funds spent and everything else. But keep a good close eye on this 777 takeover that's about to commence for Everton. They're going to buy 94% of them. Things are about to get fucking weird. I mean, they have guys that are involved in drug trafficking, sex trafficking. They've been convicted of all sorts of crimes in all far-flung Eastern European countries. Yeah. Uh, Okay. But football terms, they look like a side that really needed a win and 
they were, you know, first every ball and they fought and they dug hard and they probably did deserve the three points in this. Yeah, um, no, good result for them, really needed it. Um, I think next step for them is working out how to turn these three points into probably 10 by the halfway point of the season at least is what they're going to need. Um, positive from from this game, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin getting a goal. He's the guy that they need to get in scoring form if they're going to avoid relegation this season. Um, negative is to win this game. They needed a James Tarkovsky goal and assist, and they're not going to be able to rely on that every week. So they're going to need, like I said, Dom Calvert-Lewin to start scoring goals, and they're going to need Dwight McNeil to get himself more involved in these games. Would, yeah, have, been, uh, good, would have been good odds for Tarkovsky to score or be booked, right? Ah, ah, that's a good inside joke there. That no one will get. Love that. Um, yeah, Calvert Lewin get on the score sheet. How many goals he got this year? Is that his first? I think that's his league? first. His first. So, I'm trying to figure yeah. out how many um, he's got overall because he's not super prolific, is he? I know he's injury. Uh, he's injured all the time, but yeah, um, yeah, he got there. So maybe that'll open the gates for him. Who knows? Uh, pretty random result there for Brentford. I think a lot of people had them. In their multis over the weekend. Uh, multi-killers. Um, multi-killers. Brentford have started really poorly. One win in their first six. Uh, yeah, under the radar points clear. Yeah. Under the radar poor, they have been. Um, maybe we'll we'll talk more about them next week. Uh, Burnley lost to Man United 1-0. I, I don't think there's a whole lot to see here unless either of you two have any comments on this. But um, just you know. It was funny be- watching Burnley be prime Barcelona. Uh, just knocking the ball around graciously until they entered the final third and couldn't finish it off. Yeah. Actually, yeah, um, that is the note I wanted to make. 62% possession for Burnley in a game of football against Man United is a sign of the times, I think. Hmm. Um, a Johnny Evans assist for the goal when he actually had, had the ball in the net, which was disallowed for a slight offside earlier. So, I mean, he's the most prolific-looking guy I've seen in a Man United shirt in the last month. There's, um, there's something to that. A guy, didn't he come through the Youth Academy? Isn't he... Proper left, yeah. Manchester red. Like this is a guy that actually cares, and I, that's maybe the angle they should be looking at. Yeah. Um. And just note on Andre Onana, he's had a rough start to the season. Turned it around in this game, made a few really good saves. <laughs> yeah. Seven FPL points. Thank you. Rough start is uh, an understatement. Some of those goals against Bayern a bit. Bit. How you go. Um. Arsenal Spurs, I guess, was the big game of the round that most people were hyped for, uh, especially. Over here in Australia with Big Ange involved and both teams sitting up in the top four. Um, how did we see this one, Cooper? Maybe I'll start with you. How did you see this one play out? Um, yeah, interesting game. Uh, yeah? T- t- yeah, <laughs> confusing one. I mean, I felt I felt like a lot of people thought that Arsenal were unlucky not to win this game, but I sort of sat on the other side of the fence a little bit. Um a penalty and an, and an own goal. And I didn't necessarily feel like Arsenal looked like scoring at any point outside of those two moments. Um, they seemed to just blow every half chance they had. Um, Declan Rice, a massive loss at halftime. I think that that's a big light on this game that needs to be discussed. Arsenal went down a gear when losing Rice. And obviously, Jorginho had the brain fade in midfield for the equaliser after the penalty. Hmm. I, I'm with you. I was confused on it, but not for the fact of like who was better, who would win. I thought the draw was fair in the end. I couldn't decide whether or not it was a good game like to watch like purely aesthetically or if it was just more enjoyable to see both of these teams you know, back competing top four 
a game that actually really meant something in terms of the league and, you know, a result for what the team, what either side's going to do for the rest of the season. I didn't think it was technically that good. And there was a lot of errors. And, you know, I mean, the three of the goals are genuine errors. There were some good individual matchups. I think uh, Saka versus Udogi was a very fun first 20 minutes. And I, I was so sure Destiny was either going to get dragged after 25 minutes or get sent off because Saka was like running him a bath. But outside of that, it just, it kind of lacked, it lacked something. And I think it's reflected in neither side having a genuine number nine. Yeah, potential issue. Um, I think Jesus struggled out out wide. Um, I think he it was weird. To, it was weird, wasn't it? Was, to try and accommodate uh, I mean, unfortunate for Arsenal, obviously missing Martinelli and then also missing Trossard. So there wasn't necessarily mm. it was either start Nelson or or Smith back Jesus in outright. Smith Rowe to me is more of a ten. Um, but that's a conversation for another. Oh, uh, look, he Smith Rowe has played plenty of left wing for Arsenal. He could have done it. Great opportunity to throw Havertz further forward like he did for Leverkusen as a winger uh, for mm. a while. Um, Interesting. I, yeah. I, I just, every time I see, I've said this before on here, every time I Arsenal line up and I see Enkedia starting, I just, I might be one of the few haters in this category, but yeah, I just, I just don't see it. I don't know why the persistence with him. I know he works hard and all those things. He's just, if you want to win a Premier League title, you're not going to win one with Eddie and Kedia starting game. Well, this is that's I mean this is maybe an to... impact off the bench or you know a depth thing, but not as a starter in it's... these games that you need to win. Back to what I said last season, I think in a, in an average Premier League side he could be a 15 goal a season striker, but he sure. does not suit the way that Arsenal play at all. They play with Arteta, they try and play beautiful football, and he's he's not that guy. He's um... um the goals he's scored for Arsenal in the past have just been like. Poacher goals, scrapping rebounds and things like that. He's not really involved yeah. too much in the play. He's not good enough. I don't think his oh, touch and stuff. Huge knock for those. Um, he'd he be can, great at Villa. Yeah, he'd be great somewhere. Um, you could do with him, Tommy, probably at Leeds in the championship. No way. <laughs> Our front four is mint. Howie, I was going to ask Sammy about um, the goalkeepers in this game, especially David Raya for Arsenal. Um, I think that number one spot is is his now at Arsenal. I think Arteta's shown his intentions. Um, but both, I thought both really good. Um, I don't know how much you know about Vicario. He's come from the Serie A to, to Tottenham and he's started the season really well. I uh, couldn't tell you much about Vicario at all. So there's that. <laughs> um, but Where's Raya... Udinese? Not sure. Empoli, tell me. Yeah. This is Cooper's job. This is why we got Cooper. So from, yeah, so Vicario, Vicario's come from Empoli to Tottenham. Empoli. Okay, there you go. So close. Um, but yeah, uh, Raya started the Champions League game midweek as well. Um, and now I thought that was just like standard kind of rotation thing. But now he's he's starting the derby as well. So maybe, maybe like you said, that that is it. Arteta's intentions to play Raya moving forward. Yeah, we started the Premier League game the weekend before as well. So, th- yeah. so three consecutive starts now. Three starts in a row. That's um, seems stiff on Ramsdale, um, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it really hasn't does done, hasn't done a lot wrong going into into this game. I think Raya just potentially suits the the ball playing movement that of goalkeepers that we're seeing in the Premier League potentially a little bit better than Ramsdale does. He's had Ramsdale's had a few scary moments that potentially he wouldn't have gotten away with in worse teams with his feet in the last few years. Yeah, but the way Arsenal ended up reverting, they were just bombing it long at any opportunity they could anyway. So what does it matter? 
that was the funniest takeaway from this. I think was the the cockiness of the 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 Arsenal Londoners um, inviting Spurs and Angel to the Emirates and saying, "Come on, press us, do it. We'll play you off the park." And then for you know the second goal to be as a result of the relentless pressing, you know the 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 forcing of errors and you know the cool finish J Mads to Sun. They're such a lethal combination, the pair of them. Madison's really endeared himself to Spurs supporters now. Did we see the um the interview post game where he was asked about Bakaya Saka running to the camera and doing the Madison celebration twice? And and J Madge just turned around and said, oh, I wonder if he was still thinking about it when I turned him for the equalizer. <laughs> it's pew pew moments, eh? I like Mads. He, I think he says like just enough without venturing into wanker territory. Yeah, big fan. Uh, he probably learned a little bit of Vardy and then learned to not go full Vardy. Um, oh, did you speak? Did you see Vardy go full Vardy this weekend in the championship? Uh, I did not do a run the, ran the length of the pitch to celebrate with the away fans after. after oh, was that this week? Like, I did oh, see yeah. that video. I just assumed it was old because I don't care about Vardy. God, <laughs> why? Why does he feel the need to do that? Is it good? That would get. They were giving him some stick. I think they were chanting yeah. about his missus, calling a what was he calling a snitch or something? He's done lots of really uh, spiteful, really random celebrations against team that are like, oh, that was a bit petty, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, like the the wolves um, one where he pretended to roar like a wolf. It's like it's wolves, dude. Yeah, the flapping like an eagle at Crystal Palace. Yeah, was there the eagle? It's really weird. He's a weird. He's, I reckon he's a little baby. <laughs> um, anyway. Brighton three, Bournemouth one. I don't think either of us had that this week. We've talked, we've done a fair bit of Brighton recently. Um, and Bournemouth, poor old Bournemouth, we probably struggle to ever talk about them unless they're going to knock off a big team at some point this season. And then we'll have a look. But the one we're all going to have a good giggle at this week Chelsea, nil, Aston Villa, one. I saw a tweet from Domino's UK um, stating how many pizzas they had delivered since Chelsea last scored a goal. And it was it was a lot. I don't have the numbers yet. It was a it was a lot. <laughs> what are we talking? Hundreds of thousands? Surely, Domino's is popular. I don't know. It was it was a lot. Uh, I cannot believe they have not scored a goal in September in any competition. Like they've got one game left, and I think it's a Carabao Cup game against Brighton during the week. And if they don't score, they legitimately have no goals of the month to pick from. And for a side that's dropped a billy on. Just a monumental amount of attacking talent. It's, it's just it's boggling. I I can't I can't understand how this happens, but I love every single moment of it. Cooper, yeah, agreed. Um, I wanted to. This is a little bit lengthy. I'll get through it as quick as I can. Just read out a a tweet from just a genuine Chelsea supporter. I thought you know we could sit here and we could pile piss on Chelsea from an outside view, like like we constantly love to do with United and Chelsea and these teams we don't like. Um, but there's a little bit of talk about, so like, why has Ange been able to change this Spurs team in a few months from the mentality to the playing style after losing one of the best nines in the world, by the way, I thought it takes years and 1 billion pounds. Um, and a Chelsea supporter, a friend of mine, Anthony, he has replied <laughs> to this saying, this is real talk. Exactly why fans should not be buying into the project talk that has come in the Bowley era at Chelsea. We didn't need a project. We were champions of Europe for fuck's sakes. All we needed to do was clear some players out and replace them with ones who could compete for a title. Instead, they didn't back the manager, sacked him after the window closed, brought in a different bloke who inherited a squad that didn't suit him before sacking him too, 
then continued the cycle by bringing in kids and relative unknowns on massive deals when our rivals are signing proven talent for less outlay. I don't like Poch, but fuck me dead, he's nowhere close to being responsible for the downfall of Chelsea. Do we, no, do we what? Any- I don't think anyone's blaming Poch, right? I mean, that's that would be very short-sighted. And I don't even necessarily blame Todd Bowley. I blame Russians, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. Because that's obviously where it's all gone wrong. Everything was just going swimmingly as they laundered all of that dirty, dirty, ill-gotten money. Totally ruined the Premier League for every... I mean, it probably was ruined when Sky bought it, but absolutely capitulated any chance of decency in this league. They they get everything. They get everything they deserve. I don't want to hear any kind of proper analysis or any any kind of... I don't know, heartfelt response to this or projects, whatever. You can buy whoever you want. It doesn't take a genius to do this. Breaking news, man on football, man on football podcast does not want to hear proper analysis of football team. <laughs> yeah. You've come to the wrong place here, boy. Um, Keep walking. Yeah. We are going to blame Todd because he's just come in like it's football manager. We've said it time and time again. He's treating it like football managers picking blokes up to give to a coach and then the coach is meant to somehow put all these pieces out there and make it all work with no targeted recruitment. Um, I guess shout out to Villa who looks pretty good in this game, created plenty of chances. Um, Ollie Watkins got his first goal of the season. So he's up and running now. That's probably, that's probably big for Villa, I guess. Um, if he can start getting on a roll uh, with the other players they've they've had already scoring goals and stuff, Musa Diaby being involved. Uh, Zaniolo got a start in this one. Um, I don't know, Villa, Villa looking ever, ever dangerous. Um, I've, I wanted to shout out Luca Dean. Um, mm. I feel like this guy's still so terribly underrated as a mm. Premier League left-back. Um, and his his accuracy of long-range shots is crazy. Um, good save by Robert Sanchez to deny him one. From the edge of the box, but um, yeah, go Villa. Top that, Chelsea. go Villa. Do we um, do we have any thoughts on the red card? Have we have we all seen it? Uh, yeah, send him yeah, off. Yeah, I think Fuck it's him. a modern day red card, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think we you can't be high. That, yeah, continuously as yeah. studs up, it's reckless. It's it is what it's, it is. You might get away with it if the studs are showing, but your boot is like grounded and sliding. But is it's there's a gap. It's up, it's up above the ankle, isn't it? And that's the ones they're trying to get rid of. If if there's a player there and they don't jump out of the way, you know, the leg snaps. So you can't be having that. Um, just just on what your mate said, I went and looked because in my mind I was like, oh, Chelsea weren't that good a couple of seasons ago anyway. Um, that season they finished third and they won the UEFA Super Cup and won the FIFA Club World Cup. This team is unrecognisable from the one that lines up now. Like there's not... There's, there's like not a single maybe it's been a, point. It's, it's been a complete revolving door. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. Like you look at their midfield; they had Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, Ruben Loftus Cheek, Ross Barkley, up top Lukaku, Pulisic, Werner, uh, Mason Mount, Hudson Odoi, Kai Havertz. Not a single one remains. Yeah, it's even this. This team is unrecognizable from the Chelsea team that got a point against Liverpool on the opening day of the season. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. Rhys James has been injured since, uh, but I thought that Ben Chilwell was one of Chelsea's best players in in the first two weeks of the season, and he hasn't started a game since Rhys James got picked up the injury 
Um, so Axel de Sassi had started the first two games at centre-back next to Levi Colville with Reese James at right-back, Ben Chiwell at left-back. Obviously, Malagustu has come in at right-back, just directly placing Reese James. Sure. Instead now. of leaving Chilwell in the side at left-back and, and sticking with de Sassi and Colwell, which seemed like the direction they were going to go and move away from Thiago Silva, Poch has brought Silva back in next to Colwell and is playing to Sassy out of position at left back and, and Chilwell can't get himself in the team. And I just, I just can't understand it. Yeah. There's mm. a plenty of strange things happening. Uh, Dudrick still being a dud is another one. Uh, Enzo <laughs> Fernandez, this persistence with Enzo as more of a 10. We don't get yeah. either. When you watch him, t- we said it a few weeks back, he turns it on at the world cup as a, as a DM. And that's what catches the eye of everyone around the world. And then they go and sign him and try to move his position. I just don't get it. Um, anyway, uh, Chelsea have a lot to work on there. Uh, how do we feel about their kit at the moment with no shirt sponsor? I saw a few Chelsea fans a bit annoyed about it, um, saying it looks amateur. I'm a big fan. I think it looks oh, great. I love it. That doesn't make it amateur. Because, I mean, most amateur teams, don't they have just some shitty backyarder that's slung them 100 bucks to print their logo yeah. on it anyway? I think I I've it. always told you guys, I can't remember if we've said it on the pod or off, but... Um, I, I like buying the polos because they don't have all the sponsors on it and it's mm. just find all the sponsors on them tacky all the time. So um, mm. I, don't, I don't need to display some company's, you know, brand. That's no, not a exactly. shirt, the logo. But if you relate it back to Adelaide, I kind of like that we always go for, like we've got Flinders University at the moment and I think that's a cool one. I think if you do local institutions that benefit and give back to the community, Barcelona sure. used to do it. Didn't, didn't they have UNICEF on their... Yeah, it was they, a charity. Yeah, they well, they didn't. They paid it, to have that on there. Yeah, they weren't being paid to wear it. Uh, it was a mm. bit different, but yeah, sounds um, cool. Cooper, do you want to give us a quick rundown of Liverpool three, West Ham one? Um, not overly entertaining. Liverpool got the job done like they needed to and should have in this game. You know, double the shots of of West Ham, significant amount more possession. West Ham looked dangerous on the counter, but it's again, it's what I said when, earlier in the season is if they're going to rely purely on scoring on the counter, they're not going to win enough games against good teams to finish in the top half of this table. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I think I had um, uh, Moyes down, out, first manager sacked. It's definitely not going to happen now. I think they've performed really well against uh, the, up, the upper echelon side so far. I think they've held their ground. They've been threatening enough. And if, you know, they score one of those two guilt-head chances to begin the game, maybe they don't win it. Maybe Liverpool still do come back because that's the meme at the moment. Like, it was extremely unsettling to see Liverpool score first. Didn't know what to feel about that. But if that, if the Suchek header goes in, um, you're looking at an entirely different game because then they do have something to protect. They do have something um, to play more to their advantage on the counter-attack. So I... I think they do have enough about them to finish top 10 this season. When you're looking at sides that are occupying top 10, Fulham, for example, they're not fantastic. Newcastle a bit hit and miss at the moment. They've got goals in them, but I think you could see West Ham undo a Newcastle side like that. I don't know. I reckon they've got more in them. I think yeah, they're I'd... very uh, very Bowen-reliant at the moment, though, it would be an issue. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I just I agree with what Sam just said there. I'm very bowl and reliant. Um, I think a lot of West Ham supporters want to see Kudos get a bit more of a run and see if he can become a proper goal scorer for him. Um, but I look at what they've done, and I mean they've drawn on the opening day with Bournemouth, beaten Chelsea like everyone else has. 
um, seriously lucky against Brighton. I think that was the first time we really spoke about the way they were playing and how, you know, you can take the positives out of having three points and scoring three goals. But on another day, Brighton could have scored seven. Um, 2-1 away to Luton, letting Luton have all the ball and all the shots and relied on an 85th-minute header off a corner to win the game and then comfortably put away by Liverpool and Man City. I don't think it's good enough to to be in the top ten sides come the end of the season, but well, I mean we'll see. We'll Liverpool, see. Liverpool and City are the top two sides in the comp. You look at yeah. their front four: Antonio, Ward, Prowse, Bowen, Paqueta. That's as good as anything you'll find in the top ten. That's yeah, I mean, a huge call. Yeah, I, that's a big call, and I disagree. I think I think there's it's somewhere in between. They're not. Uh, they're not world beaters. They're not going to get rele- relegated, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, but I still don't think they're all that great. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, long way to go. Uh, we'll, last game of the round, Sheffield Hill, we opened with this, talking about the lovely lady with the book. Newcastle, eight, eight different goal scorers. It's got to be some sort of, I don't know if stats or records, you know me, I don't Google stuff, but it's got to <laughs> be some sort of record. I think it is the record. It's definitely the Premier League record. No, it's never happened before. Um, I, do, I feel for Harvey Barnes, the lazy fucker. Are you seriously not going to be the only one not to get on the score sheet? Hang your head in shame, son. Yeah, poor bloke. Left it out there. Um, Fabian Shah, do you want to criticise him for not scoring either? Nick Pope in goals. Yeah, Nick Pope. Didn't well, get on the board. It's been uh, the week for keepers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eight different scores. I don't know what. I don't. Geez, we've seen a few of these with Southampton over the last couple of years, um, being dished out by Leicester and whoever else. But I didn't see this one coming, especially after the midweek performance by Newcastle in Italy. Um, and I thought Sheffield have a bit more about them at home than this. Yeah, this game disappointed me for multiple reasons. Um, one, you know, with she- about Sheffield having more about them. There was no fight at all. Like, yeah. Uh, how many goals down do you just decide to get stuck in and just start kicking people? Like you're, you're a northern side. Like that's that's what you're known for. Is it? What is it about it's, the north and just kicking people? I, for, hey, you're telling it's, me it's geography. I don't, don't fight based. <laughs> but just um, start, le- start leathering blokes. Like... Some of you have wives and children, right? I assume. All Are of you them embarrassed? Have Where's your pride? Did we on the subject of embarrassment? Did we see South anyone else see Southampton tweet phew when the full time whistle went? <laughs> like they were happy <laughs> their record as, as standalone nine 0 losers in the Premier League. Great bands. Um <laughs> I'll run through them. Callum Wilson got himself a, a another goal. He's off to a pretty decent start. Uh Longstaff, Byrne, Botman, Wilson, Gordon, Almiron. Gimaresh, and finally Ishak at the end got on the score sheet. Mm. Uh, there was still time for a, a 94th minute Sheffield United yellow card. Isn't um, that nice? I, for descent? <laughs> if I learn anything out of this game, it's that Kieran Trippi has a flat track bully. Um, we've been asking him to do something all season and he decided to find three assists in an 8-0 win. So oh, congratulations, Kieran, you loser. <laughs> Relax. That is the shittest take you've ever had on this pod. That is just utter crap. That's up there as well. Imagine how many shit takes he's had. We need to just get a pin board going. Um, no, I, I kind of agree. I don't think I don't rate Trippier that highly. Um, Wilson, four goals and six. 
the Prem, Sammy, he's ticking. They've got a good strike um, alternating partnership at the moment between him and Isak. I just wish that Eddie Howe would play like this more often when it wasn't a side that they know they can beat. Yeah, that's probably fair enough. Um, and I don't think that's too harsh on on Kieran Trippier. I mean, <laughs> he was there. I, I'm sorry, this guy. He takes we go. all of their set pieces, and they rely on his quality. And he's been non-existent so far in this season. What do you mean Absolutely non-existent? non-existent. He's he a right back. He defends. He stops goals. What the hell is your problem right now? Well, you were just bigging up Luca Dean for the way that he hits a ball. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I think Luca Dean's a brilliant player. Kieran Trippier was Newcastle's main source of motion to goal last season. He had more assists than any player in that Newcastle team last season. And? And he fell off the face of the earth in the first month of this season, and so did Newcastle. Wow. Oh, there it is. He's relating it back. Okay. Here we go. So a good Trippier is a good team. Oh, there we go. God forbid we use logic on the podcast. <laughs> I just didn't realise you had a point after all of that. No, he just wanted to hate on Trippier. He just he's got this thing that he does where he, he doesn't like certain people for for reasons that shouldn't be aired. Oh god. I thought it was piss poor from Newcastle not to go for ten. Weak. Weak. I was sick to my stomach that they settled for eight. Mm. Um I think I blame Trippier. I think he's a flat track <laughs> bully. That's my take on that. Um, um- <laughs> We've got EFL Cup action this week. Boys, why is this thing, why does this still exist? We're not going to talk about any of the games because frankly, I do not give a shit. But why, why in the modern modern era with all the football being played, the amount of tournaments, why do we need two knockout cup competitions? Yeah. Why do they call it the EFL Cup when Premier League teams win it every season? That's what's bizarre. Just make it Championship League One, League Two, get rid of the JPT, make that an under 23s comp done we fixed it we fixed english football yeah um i saw a tweet with the exact same words as yours sammy um that was why does, where the EFL, why does the efl cup still exist and the top comment with over ten thousand likes was something to rinse my bonus bets on <laughs> <laughs> yeah Beautiful. checks out checks out um yeah that's on this week uh we also have la liga and Serie A this week um I was flicking through, hoping that would mean some Premier League, but then, yeah, I scrolled further down and it was the EFL Cup, so disappointingly, but oh, well, it's more football. Um, We can talk about, we're not going to do Serie A rap this week, we're not going to talk about Bundesliga, but we are going to talk about uh, Spain because there was a Madrid derby, Real Madrid have been flying, uh, won all five games up until this point and then got completely battered by an Atletico side who were... You'd say they were they were very poor last week. They lost three 0 to Valencia, and then obviously the draw during the week with Lazio, where the keeper scored at the end. Um, but they came out and just really just took it to Madrid. Morata with a double, uh, Griezmann on the score sheet, and Tony Cruz doing what Tony Cruz does for Madrid. Yeah, did they batter them? I mean, looked like Real Madrid still had chances, still had enough of the ball. They did. And... Madrid had like sixty odd percent of the ball. Hmm. And I mean, plenty of shots on goal. Um, and it just, it's kind of odd that it took like a Tony Cruz banger from outside the area to to breach what has been not the tightest defense so far from Atleti. Like they've looked vulnerable. Yeah. I didn't really rate them going into the Champions League. Um, so yeah, this result, huge uh, surprise. Um, is it just 
It's a typically that, Simeone performance. Yeah, I was going to say, is it just that yeah. Atleti are really good at scoring from headers or that Real Madrid are just piss poor at defending wide balls at the moment? I mean, that that first Morata goal, you got to give some credit to Lino. That's a phenomenal ball into the box. Yeah. He cuts cuts back onto his right foot and just delightfully in between the centre-back and the goalkeeper. Big fan um, of, um, sorry, uh, big fan of uh, Avara Morata's celebrations, going really hard with the celebrations on these goals uh, for a guy who spent, uh, has had a few spells at Real Madrid, um, has just sending it with the fans after that. And the that new stadium they built, that's, well, it's not new anymore, I guess, but um, that place is pumping when they play at home against Rao and the fans fucking get up and about. They hate him and the noise in there was wild. Uh, Griezmann as well, nice kind of finish as well. So huge. Yep, Griezmann bringing back the hotline bling. Love to see it. Uh, I'm not sure that I want to live in a world where Murata scores regularly. No, you don't like a good uh, redemption arc? Nah, it's just not redemptive for me. I think he's had so many opportunities now. You're like you're almost up to like Fast and the Furious Eight at this point, and like I've given up interest. I don't care. His record's not. His record's not horrible. What do you reckon it is? One in one every three, one every four. How many? How much one should it be three. for a guy? Of, a guy of his talent and the clubs that he's played in. I just think. I mean, I'm probably being too harsh. I, Probably he, he started I just, on fire this year. He's now got, uh, I think that's four or five goals in La Liga already now, um, as well as he scored three goals for Spain in the international mm. break as well. So, is there is this a forgive run for Real Madrid given their start to the season, or is there there more to it? I saw a little bit of talk that potentially this might be an interesting barometer for Madrid because given their start to the season has been so good, but you know historically usually they win these derbies with Atletico regardless of where they sit on tables or how their season is going, they historically win these games. Um, is there deeper line well, issues for Madrid? This is another one of those things that goes kind of either way. You look at it and say they've had a really strong start because of all their results, or you can break it down closer and say that how many times has Jude Bellingham scored a late goal to yeah. to get them the three points? Um, and point. if he's not going to pop up and do it, he did it in the Champions League. He popped up real late to tap one in from basically on the line against Union Berlin. Um, and he wasn't there to do it this time. I think he scored in the win over Sociedad last weekend as well. Um, mm. But yeah, if he, he hasn't popped up in this game and they just, they haven't had an answer for Atletico. Maybe just one of those days though, I guess. Um, yeah. Who knows? I just, in, in La Liga, you don't get a lot of opportunities to mess up these games because Barca are flying as well, you know, and Barca on the weekend were 2-0 down in the 80th minute and scored three goals so and got up 3-2. So um, they're not wasting any chances at the moment. Um, no. yeah. Nor are Nora Girona, who leapfrogged Madrid into second place. Maybe they're the smoky. They're the ones you should be keeping your eye on. <laughs> before, uh, you, yeah. before you divert onto Girona, which I don't have much to, to say about. I'm we, won't, sure. we won't be diverting on that reaction. Um, <laughs> question for you this could be very broad and you might not want to answer it but i'm going to ask anyway and sam will probably take the piss out of me for it but is there a serious lack of top quality number nines in the world right now because there seems to be many big clubs really lacking a striker 
Well, that's because is Pep Pep ruined the striker, right? No. I mean, Pep has the best striker in the world right now, so you can. <laughs> yeah, he probably, ruined him for everyone take else. Take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I mean, probably the top four in the Premier League are outside of City are, are lacking a top quality number nine, or trying to you know they've spent money on someone that they're trying to develop a, a little bit more. Um, Serie A, there's a few good ones going around, but I'm not sure about you know top quality. Lukaku's gone back to. The Serie A now is with Roma. Remains to be seen if he can score a bag of goals there again. I don't think he. he I probably don't think he will with Roma. Um, Oshman's had a slower start to this season than he had last year. Real Madrid have you know they started Rodrigo, who's usually more of a winger out wide. Uh, they started him out up front in this game, and and Hosselu came off the bench at halftime. Um, these big teams seem to be relying on small fish to to score goals for them. Uh, question, Sammy. It's yeah, you definitely something. the case. <laughs> I've raved on about Dortmund's striker problems with, um, you know, with Sebastian Haller up there, and they've now got full Krug in from from Werder Bremen uh, of Wolfsburg. Um, but he's, you know, he's he looks okay. But um, like you say, not your prolific number nine that you'd expect a top club who wants to compete. Um, and I guess it, it maybe it is slim pickings. And you look around the Bundesliga, for example, and straight away you just go Bayern Munich. Harry Kane scored three on the weekend. Um, he yeah. takes penalties. He scores from kind of all areas. Um, he scored three against Bochum on the weekend, who are they're terrible, but he still had to go do it. And you know that he's going to still do it in big games for you anyway, um, whether he's beating up on these lower teams anyway. Doing a trip here being a flat track bully, as Cooper would say. Um, <laughs> the ones I would, I'd be keeping an eye on, I think this is the year for them. I talked about it last week was Vlahovic and yeah, more, more so Federico Chiesa. So yeah, that'll definitely. be, that'll be the next kind of big striker ones to watch. I think also just the modern football with the wingers, um, you know, the, the inverted winger type thing or a lot of goals coming from your wingers is, just the way the game is now. We don't really, not a lot of sides are rolling out with a four-four-two with two kind of number nines up there. So mm. yeah, I think it's very telling though that the top teams in each division at the moment, Barcelona have have Lewandowski. Yeah, Man City have yeah. Haaland. Bayern Munich have Kane. Yeah. Um, Inter have Martinez. Plus Juve have Lahovic. Yeah. Well, I mean, Oshman was the best striker in the Serie A last season, and they won the league off the back of it. So I think he'll be yeah. fine this year too. Uh, slow start, but I think we talked last week about Napoli's kind of struggles early and uh, getting back up after such a such an emotional thing in a city like that to win a league. So I think they'll get up and about again soon. Uh, do you count Griezmann in there or not really? Uh, is he a shadow striker? I think he's striker, probably. Maybe? I mean, you can count him. I'm, I'm not going to call him top quality at this point. He's had a good start, but he's probably not one that's for, ever really succeeded yeah. as a striker on his own, has he? Yeah, as like a the sole man up front. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant as like a number ten, number eight for France in the World Cup. I think that's his that's his prolificity in there. It's just it's an interesting one. I mean, even we've seen it here in Australia for years. How much more comfortable we feel about Adelaide when we have a good number nine, and how it seems to be that the team that win the league most seasons are the the teams that find a prolific number nine. Yeah, Jamac, yeah. for example, like absolutely walks the league in with City every year. Something yeah. to be said. I mean, where are they? Are we just not develop, de- uh, developing them anymore? Do no they not get the opportunities? Um. We haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, no one mentioned Lautaro Martinez, who 
Is he? Oh, his quality. He scores goals. Well, he's captaining definitely. into now. Uh, maybe this love is him. his year to really cement himself. He's still another one. I'll probably have my doubts over him as a standalone striker up front, but in a in a two, playing as a traditional striker in a with like someone around him to do a bit more of the the dribbling and the running, which he has at the moment with Marcus Turam. Maybe maybe he's the one that's going well, to be he, next to come through, and yeah, he he did bail them out in the Champions League midweek, didn't he? Late equaliser against Sociedad, so that's the kind of thing you need them for. Yeah, absolutely. All right, good stuff. I think we're done here, uh, unless either of you have anything else. Tommy, actually, I think you have. You wanted to I mention have, something about some lower league stuff. I had one interesting story come across my desk because you're not the only one that gets faxes, Sammy. Do you have a desk? Uh, well, it's it's a couple of cardboard boxes perched upon one another. Um, I've got a laptop on a chair, just copying Cooper style. Can I just, yep, um, before, you, before you talk about this, Tom, Sam, you just said Tommy's got some lower league stuff he wants to talk about. And I thought, fuck's sakes, I thought we got through a week without talking about leads and here <laughs> uh, we go again. Well, yeah, moment not of that, the weekend. Not that low, a lower league, all right? <laughs> no, no, proper football, not, you know, fake football. Um, did everyone see Daniel Farker's touch on the no. weekend? The Leeds United manager, crowd in raptures, talk- just beautiful. This isn't what you wanted to talk about. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But Cooper brought it up. Um, Scunthorpe United. So we've endured our fair share of ownership dramas now, on the Red Edition side of this podcast. We're still going through them right now. Um, but like, just fancy this. You're a member of your beloved lower league team you're, where your money like really, really does count. You buy a membership, you buy a shirt. You are actually funding someone's wage in this respect. Um, you get this new owner swan in at the beginning of the year. He's a little bit shady. You don't really know who he's past. No one really knows much about him. But the club's already in financial difficulty. He promises to put the funds up to rescue the club, so to speak. The funds never materialize. You start to criticize this guy online. And look, for fear of retribution... Let's call the club owner, I don't know, David H. Or if that's too obvious, we'll call him D. Hilton. Because this guy loves to troll podcasts, Twitter, TikToks, anything. And you know what this guy does? He slaps you with a barring notice to entering Scunthorpe's ground. He has systematically this week banned hundreds of Scunthorpe supporters Members, regular day goers, they've all been, they've all received emails saying you are no longer welcome at the club. You will be arrested on site if you try to walk in. Why, you ask? A quite uh, an article came out about him a few weeks ago that this guy was convicted of fraud recently. Uh-huh. Yes, a little detail that he has hidden um, from anybody that does checks on club owners. I don't know how it works. You know, the Premier League, anyone can buy anybody. Yep. Imagine lower leagues not too stringent. Um, <laughs> the best bit of this, so he starts banning people. He ends up banning the head of like the fan supporters trust. So like they've got like a little share in the club and stuff. And then these text messages are leaked online. Um, this is from the head of the supporters trust. He's messaging this David Hilton. The disrespect you're showing fans is alarming. They're what keep this club alive by putting money into the club, mainly through ticket sales. As I said before, they were here long before you were, and they'll be here long after you've gone. They deserve truthfulness and transparency. How do you think this guy's responded to this very well-meaning text message? 
Well, so far, he seems like a very genuine guy, so I'm sure he has a stand-up response. He's yeah, very sure professional. It'll be, it'll be well thought out, you know, full of grammar and good spelling. Do you think I give two fucks what your spastic fans think? <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> They're too, T-O, stupid to do anything about anything. You and the rest of the idiots can buy the club because it will not get another penny from me. It can die for all I care. And then let's see who's laughing. Wow. What a loser. <laughs> How is this a thing? Is this a real story? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Have you since seen that the uh, the supporters trust have, have put out paid memberships as available and people from all over England involved with the story from other clubs and everything are buying memberships for this the supporters trust in hopes that they eventually may have enough money to to buy this nearly dead club with supporters shares. Oh, love that. Um well, a little bit of solidarity down there. It was there. like I, the other week when we did our we did our red edition episode talking about all of Adelaide United's issues this offseason. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. Um, but about some of the responses on Twitter, people asking when the kit would be out and just saying, do you do anything else? Do you have a job or do you just you ask when the kit is coming out? And then someone would say, oh, well, when, like, well, just when is it? Not yet. <laughs> the response is like, not yet. But now this guy's gone for He's dropped the spaz bomb. You can't say that. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, I saw this. I saw this afternoon. I actually saw this on Twitter, Tom, and someone had posted a screenshot of the email. The email didn't even come from an address that was like Scunthorpe Football Club. It was just support liaison officer at support liaison officer dot com dot au, <laughs> and all the email says is. Good morning. The club would like to inform you of a banning order being placed on you with immediate effect. Kind regards, <laughs> support liaison officer at Scunthorpe Football Club. And the top comment in the post was, well, at least they gave you a valid reason. <laughs> Jeez. What a response. Do you think I give a fuck? That's <laughs> Wow. There's so many losers out there. And unfortunately, hey. f- football at the moment is like a, it's just a play thing for people with too much money. And I don't think like the the sort of people that have the money to play with someone like Scunthorpe, uh, you know, we're scraping the barrel a little bit. Yeah, they were two million in debt, so if you've got two million pounds, you can buy Scunthorpe and run it properly. Sure, sounds good to me. All right, let's do it. We could do that with all our uh, all the money we're making these days. How do you think those supporters will will feel when they're running out? when they're in the stands watching Night Shift United run out on the pitch instead of scum. Are we changing the name? <laughs> oh, yes, are we? We are. <laughs> Maybe we can sign Trippier. All right, we might leave it there. Good stuff. Uh, get around us on the socials. Get around previous episodes. Go back and listen to that Red Edition episode. Check out that Champions League preview. And, um, yeah, tell your mates, tell your friends, share it around. See you guys. Thanks, Sammy.